Well, the Gonzaga Bulldogs added a graduate assistant onto their staff for the 22-23 season, and that's not normally information that would be breaking news on the podcast, but this is a 40-year-old former Zag with 16 years of professional basketball playing experience, why he's here, what he brings to this roster, and more right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. I also want to thank all of you who have continued to make Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. As we are here into the middle of August, the thick of the college basketball offseason. Also want to thank all of you who have checked out the show on YouTube. Very much means a lot to me. Over 840 subscribers at this point. Very close to hitting our goal of 1,000. So if you have not done so yet, just go to YouTube.com, search Locked on Zags, find the channel, hit that big subscribe button. All right, we got a lot of stuff going on today. We'll be joined by Jason Jordan of Sports Illustrated later in the show to talk about some recruiting updates. But for now, I want to talk about the newest addition to Gonzaga's roster, or at least to their coaching staff in a way. That is, of course, former Gonzaga legend J.P. Batista, the Brazilian beast, one of the greatest transfers and almost certainly the greatest junior college transfer in program history. Batista, for those who do not remember who are newer Gonzaga fans. Batista played at Gonzaga through the 2005 and 2006 seasons, again, after transferring over from junior college. He averaged 16 points and 8 rebounds in 62 games played for the Zags. Truly one of Gonzaga's first international icons. Roni Turioff really kind of takes the cake as being kind of the first one in that regard. They had some other ones prior to that and have obviously had a tremendous amount of success on the international recruiting trail since then. We're talking Kelly Olenek, Kevin Pangos from Canada. We're talking DeMontis Sabonis. We're, of course, talking Rui Hachimura, Philip Petrusev. There are tons and tons of great examples of international successes at Gonzaga. Batista was one of the first truly great ones. Of course, not a direct international to Gonzaga pipeline because he did stop uh, at the junior college level, but came to Spokane, was excellent for two seasons, huge part of the success of those teams that had Adam Morrison on them. We, we talked so much about what Adam Morrison did in 2006, a co-player of the year, averaged over 28 points per game. The reason Gonzaga had such a deep run and, of course, the reason, you know, the, the unfortunate collapse that happened in the UCLA game was in part uh, you know, magnified because of Morrison's response. But Batista was a huge part of that team, a huge reason that that program had any level of success at that time. And he deserves to be celebrated for that. And now he's back. He's back in the program. Uh, he was teammates in college with both Brian Michelson and Stephen Gentry, who are, of course, on staff with Mark Few currently. So there are now three players from that roster that are now coaching at Gonzaga. That's very, very cool continuity to see in the program. Uh, certainly, Gonzaga is not the only program that has former players come back to join as coaches, but 
it does seem to be a program that seems to really kind of thrive in that regard. We've seen, obviously, the coaching tree at Gonzaga has had a massive amount of success. You look at what Tommy Lloyd is doing at Arizona. You look at Leon Rice, who just got a five-year extension at Boise State after leading them to a Mountain West championship, which had they had never won both the regular season and the Mountain West Conference Tournament Championship, and they did both those things last year. Dan Monson, of course, not really out of the Mark Few coaching tree. He was a coach at Gonzaga before Mark Few took over. Over, but Monson has had a ton of success both at Minnesota, which was kind of an up and down tenure, but also a lot of success at Long Beach State since then. Uh, and now we have J.P. Batista on staff. Batista's 16-year professional career. He spent it mostly in France, but he played a handful of different places as well. He put in some time in Lithuania. He put in some time in Mexico. Uh, he played a ton of seasons with Le Mans in France, had a massively successful career. You know, very many players uh, have the ability to play till they're 40. He told Jim Meehan of the Sporks spokesman review, excuse me, uh, that he actually had offers to continue playing. He could have continued playing into his fourth decade on the planet, uh, chose instead to come to Gonzaga to take the opportunity to get his graduate degree uh, and to be a part of the program. I want to acknowledge, and I don't, I'm not, I haven't been working in higher education and college athletics for the last couple of years. I don't think the rules have changed here. There is a limit to how many coaches you are allowed to have who actually coach players. A graduate assistant is not a coach. So I see people talking about, oh, he's going to help out the big man and, and all of that. And he is, but there are limits to what he is capable of doing. He's, he's he's not an official coach. He's going to sit on the sidelines. He's going to watch the games. He's going to be able to offer his input, certainly at least to the coaching staff. Uh, hey, maybe Drew needs to do this. Maybe Anton needs to do this, whatever it may be. But there are limits to how much actual coaching he can do in this role. But I think the big things that he brings are obviously experience with Gonzaga, with uh, experience with Coach Few, and then this wealth of knowledge from a entire life played in professional basketball, but also a, a career played overseas. I think that that's a big part of this as well. When you're looking at, you know, most of the players on Gonzaga's roster are not going to play in the NBA. It feels like a lot of them are. It feels like many of them are capable of playing in the NBA, and certainly a lot of them will. But some of them will have actual NBA careers. Some of them might sniff the NBA, but will end up ultimately playing elsewhere, whether that's the G League or overseas. And some of them will just play overseas. They will finish their career at Gonzaga, and that is where they will go. And so for for Batista, who followed that route, he didn't really get a lot of serious looks as an NBA player, but he played until he was 40 in, in overseas in Europe and France, like we said. And so for him to be able to offer like, hey, here are here are teams that treat their players well. Here are maybe teams that don't play, treat their players well. Here are opportunities where... Uh, you know, this is a contract that maybe does make some sense for you. This is a contract that doesn't. And those are the kind of conversations that I expect Batista will be having. That is not his only role on this team. He will do other administrative stuff. He will certainly learn about the coaching industry. That's kind of a part of what being a GA is. And he will certainly be around the team and be around the players and, and kind of get to impart knowledge in that way. But I think a lot of his kind of immediate roles will be kind of helping players make decisions about their futures uh, while kind of just soaking up how to be a coach, how to work in college athletics, especially now. It's been a long time since he was in college. The rules are a lot different than they were back then. And certainly Michelson and Gentry are familiar with what it was like back then and what it's like now. And so they can kind of help get him up to speed. But I think that'll be kind of an interesting transition for him to go through as well. And the last point I wanted to make, since we're talking about former players getting added onto staffs, I wanted to shout out Hayden Palmer, 
who joined the staff for the women's basketball team as a video coordinator. Hayden Palmer was the fifth Zag to ever get selected in the WNBA draft. Uh, Shout out to her for that. She never ended up playing in the WNBA, unfortunately, but she had a lucrative career overseas for the past decade or so. She was a third-team All-American while she was at Gonzaga. She was a three-time overseas champion, played very, very well over there. Now she's back joining the staff video coordinator. I believe it is the same or a similar role to what Gary Bell is doing for the men's basketball program. So again, shout out to the two of them, former Zags from around my era when I was a student at Gonzaga, both of them now back in the program. Uh, Gary's been there for a couple of years. Hayden rejoining the program this upcoming season. Another great addition to that staff is somebody who can kind of help a lot of the, the players on that team kind of learn what they want to do with their future, what countries maybe they should explore going to, where the best deals are, uh, things like that, I think are, are valuable to have for a team of players who are, are mostly going to play professionally for the men's and women's teams. A lot of them are going to play pro, but again, especially in the WNBA, there's just so few teams that it's really, really hard to play professional basketball as a woman in the in the United States. And so there are plenty of opportunities overseas. And so Hayden can kind of help them figure out what opportunities may make the most most sense going forward. All right, we're going to come back. In the second segment, we're going to discuss a pair of former Gonzaga guards who are embarking on new professional journeys. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about Bet Online. College basketball may be deep into the offseason, but the MLB, WNBA, and MLS seasons are heating up into the summer months. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all of the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They even have lines on coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags, still chatting pro Zags and their next career moves. We talked about J.P. Batista and Hayden Palmer coming back to the programs, their respective programs to help out. Now we're talking about two guys who are moved on to different professional opportunities. First up is David Stockton. It's it's kind of a different professional opportunity, but it's also more of the same for Stocks. Stocks is joining the FIBA USA qualifying team for the Olympics. He was with this team back in February. They played two games at that time. He averaged 10.5 points, 3.5 assists, took seven threes, knocked down five of them, looked excellent for Team USA back in February. He was named to the team again in July. They had a couple more pre-qualifying games in July. He could not play. He did not participate in those games because of a hand injury that kept him out of action. It was unclear if they were going to pursue him going forward. This team, this roster changes a lot as players end up signing professional careers either in the United States, in the G League, or overseas. So it's always a little bit tricky to know whether a guy's going to stick around on this team or not. Stockton got reinvited again in August. He's back. He's back on the squad. He's set to participate with the team. They have two games coming up. August 25th, they're playing Uruguay in, again, a qualifying round for the FIBA tournament. They're going to play that game in Las Vegas on the 25th. I do not know if it will be televised or available to watch, but it should be fun. 
if it is available. And then they're playing Columbia in Columbia on August 29th. So two games, four days apart, one in Vegas, one in Columbia. Heck of a trip for these guys. Uh, I'm excited to watch this team play. Eric Mika, another a former BYU player, he's on the roster. Mac McClung, who, who made some headlines playing really well in the G League for the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, he was also a, a very, very good college player. He's on the roster. There's a couple other guys on the roster. One of them was McKinley Wright, who is the point guard at Colorado. Very, very good there. But he recently signed a training camp deal with the Dallas Mavericks, which makes me think that he is not going to participate on this team. A bummer for the overall roster. Probably not the worst news for David Stockton, considering McKinley Wright was a six-foot point guard. I'm guessing him and Stocks were probably going to overlap in playing time, so this may clear up some more spots for David. Most people know David's story. He played at Gonzaga from 2010 to 2014. He was a backup player until his senior year when he stepped into a starting role, averaged 7.5 points, 4.2 assists, 1.5 steals per game. Of course, the son of legendary Gonzaga basketball player John Stockton, a family full of Gonzaga superstars in the Stocktons, and now David here, not only representing Gonzaga, but representing his country and really following in his father's footsteps by playing uh, with the USA emblem on his chest. Very cool to see him back playing uh, with the FIBA squad. And then next up, Eric McClellan wanted to give him a shout out as well for signing a new contract. This is kind of the, the, the season for a lot of these new contracts. We've seen Gino Crandall sign a new deal in Germany. We saw Stephen Gray hang up the cleats uh, and his professional career. We saw Jordan Matthews sign a new deal overseas. We saw Admon Gilder sign a new deal overseas. We've seen a lot of guys signing new contracts. Uh, now Eric McClellan is next up. He signed a new deal in Romania with BC. SCM Timisora. That is his new squad over in Romania. He has had a very eclectic professional career he has played already in just the last half decade. He has played in Belgium, in Germany, in Greece, in Mexico, in Lithuania, in Austria. And last year he played in Cyprus where he averaged 18 points and six and a half rebounds. You know, I, when you're in your 20s, and you're playing pro ball and you're living your dream, why not see as many places as possible? I'm sure some of those places were incredible and breathtaking and the stadiums were nice and the facilities were good and the pay was good. And I'm sure some of those places, maybe that wasn't the case in some of those situations. That's just kind of how it works. Pro ball has got a really wide range of different atmospheres and environments. And I think it's really cool to get the opportunity to see as many of those as you possibly can. Uh, certainly there's nothing wrong with spending your entire professional career in one place, uh, but I think it's cool that McClellan ha has already seen and experienced so much in the last half decade since he left Gonzaga. Uh, again, McClellan, very, very instrumental zag in kind of keeping the streak alive. I, I don't think he often gets enough credit for this. Uh, he ban began his collegiate career at Tulsa. He transferred to Vanderbilt uh, and then to Gonzaga, kind of the, the Rasir Bolton path of, of spending time at two other schools before you end up at Gonzaga. Some people are weary of that. Certainly it has worked out quite well with Ross and it worked out really well with McClellan as well. Uh, he was in a reserve role his first year at Gonzaga and then took off in his final season, the 2015-2016 season, started all 36 games, 10.5 points, 3.2 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal per game, 34% from deep. He was a monster that year. They kind of let him take the reins and really run with the roster. Josh Perkins was on that team. Uh, Silas Melson was on that team. I believe that was the year that Perkins got kicked in the jaw, though, so McClellan was kind of the guy running the ship as the actual point guard. They had Kyle Dranginis, but they didn't have a ton of guard depth, really, on that roster. 
roster, so Mac was counted on a lot to help that team. And there's a reasonable argument that they don't make the NCAA tournament. The streak ends without Eric McClellan. He dropped 20 points against St. Mary's in the WCC championship. If you recall, the Zags needed to win that game. It was the first time, it's really the only time that I can remember in my time following Gonzaga where they really needed to win that game in the WCC championship in order to secure a bid in the NCAA tournament. Mac dropped 20, they beat St. Mary's, they went into the NCAA tournament as an 11 seed, beat St. John's in the first round, and then blew the doors off UCLA and, or excuse me, Utah, number three seeded Utah. Everybody talks about DeMontis Sabonis in that game. And of course, he had 19 points, 10 rebounds against Jakob Pertl, who was one of the best college basketball players of all time, a guy that people did not expect that Sabonis would absolutely crush him. And so that's what people talk about. But frankly, Eric McClellan led the team in scoring. He had 22 points in that game. He has 9 of 12 from the field. Magnificent, hyper-efficient, getting to the rim, slicing through the defense. He did everything you could possibly ask of him in that game. And while they won that game pretty handily, uh, you could make an argument that without Mac, it's at least a much, much closer game. Tremendous basketball career for Eric McClellan, uh, not just uh, at Gonzaga. He's played very, very well professionally. I'm excited to see what he is able to do in Romania next season. All right, we're going to come back in the third and final segment. We are going to be joined by Jason Jordan of Sports Illustrated. We're going to discuss Wesley Yates, 2023 prospect who listed the Zags in his top nine. We're also going to discuss a 2024 guard prospect who the Zags are trying to steal away from UCLA right after this. All right, welcome back. Segment three here on the Locked On Zags podcast, joined again by Jason Jordan of Sports Illustrated. Before we get into that, I would like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Jason, in the last week, two Gonzaga targets have listed the Zags amongst their top list. Number one is Wesley Yates. We talked about Yates last week, kind of talked about how we didn't think a decision was coming super soon for him. He still had a handful of visits he wanted to take. I'm guessing not a lot of that has changed, but we did see him release a top nine list. It included the three schools he'd already visited, Auburn, Stanford, UW. It also included LSU, Texas, which I think were schools we were thinking he was planning to visit. Uh, I'm curious, looking at the list uh, with a couple other additions there, if there was any schools that kind of surprised you that showed up on his list? No, no. I I mean, I've been talking to him uh, over the summer, so I – those nine are about what I would have imagined. You know, the, mm-hmm. the list of nine is always interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he talked about getting out to you guys for a visit. Um, mm-hmm. Talked about LSU and I believe Arkansas. Yeah. Take those visits as well. So, um, yeah, I don't think this is over soon. Um, mm-hmm. When I say soon, I don't mean in the next month and a half, two months. Which, right. You know, relatively. Uh Mm-hmm. far out in the recruiting world. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that are holding their breath. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, yeah, no, I don't, th- I think he'll, he'll let it play out. I think he wants mm-hmm. to go on visits and, um, I know that he doesn't know, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, you know, at this point, <laughs> yeah. it's always, 
there's always a, oh he's leaning this way he ah it's kind of a lean nah I, mm-hmm. I can tell you I don't I don't think he knows sure yeah well and it's like you said he, he's only taken a third of the visits that he's probably yeah. going to take or something like yeah. that so it, it's good to not know it's it's good you shouldn't you shouldn't yeah. know yet you should go yeah. figure it out go, go talk to some of those other schools hopefully he has you'd, an absolute you'd be surprised class. though you'd be surprised yeah. though, because <laughs> a lot of the guys they do know and they just yeah. go for in mm-hmm. the back of their mind they're like you know I mean I'm gonna do you know, but I'm yeah. going to go to go to this football game that I really want to sure, see. Sure, sure, yeah. Alabama, you know. Yeah, yeah um, don't blame him for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that part, yeah. Uh, so, so sticking on Yates real quick before we move on to the other guy, i kind of just curious. We talked a little bit about his game, and certainly he's, he's a high-level scorer. He can score multiple different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at what Gonzaga has done just with their offense, particularly in the last few years, that they've kind of gotten out in transition more really – push the pace a lot. We talked a handful of times about Dusty Stromer and kind of how he fits well into what Gonzaga likes to do offensively. Do you feel similarly about Yates? Were he to come to Spokane? Yeah, even more so uh, yeah. in, in his case, uh, just watching him at Peach. He, like I said, he was one of the most impressive guys I saw at Peach Jam. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things that really stood out to me is his patience on the offensive end. Like he he's at a gym packed, I remember he played against CP3 and, you know, mm-hmm. they got the three-headed monster, Aiden Holloway, Gigi Jackson, and Robert Dillingham. And, you know, you would think that's a game he's going to press it a little bit and mm-hmm. force some things and, you know, really hunt his shot. But he was very, very patient offensively. Yeah. Like, he didn't force anything. Mm-hmm. He would just kind of stay off to the side and let the play develop. But when it was his time, he was coming around that screen so hard and, yeah. you know, ducking under on um, tucks and different things like that. And, he really fought to get open. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I I think that would serve him well in that system for sure. Yeah. And I know that he knows that. You know? Yeah, Gonzaga does a really good job with with off-the-ball guards. That's always yeah. been, been a big strength yeah. of theirs. So if yeah. he can come off screens well and stuff, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Last guy I want to talk about today with you, Jason, uh, Jamari yeah. Phillips, uh, class yeah. of 2024. Uh, I am always surprised when I see a kid that far out have a list of just six <laughs> that yep. feels a, a little, maybe a little preemptive, but hey, if you know, you know, I guess that's okay. Uh, Gonzaga's on the list. UCLA is on the list. Uh, he talked ex- extensively about how he grew up as a UCLA fan, was a huge, you know, was just a huge sure. fan of the program, lived in LA area. Uh, then he started following Gonzaga when Jalen Suggs came to campus. Uh, so, of course, I like to make the, the connection here that perhaps Jalen Suggs, who already quite famously defeated UCLA once, Maybe he will have an impact on defeating UCLA again here. Uh, I don't know. Again, this is probably not one that's close to over, but I'm curious if you've kind of got, first of all, if you've got a sense of what kind of player he is, how much you've really yeah. seen him play. Yeah, yeah. Um, saw him play a couple times this summer. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he had a really big summer with PG Elite. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, people saw the game on TV in Vegas, and but he'd mm-hmm. been doing that all year. Um, yeah. I think the thing that really – separates him is something that is a little uh uncommon and that's his mid-range game mm-hmm. um, because you have to respect it because you know that he can get to the cup mm-hmm. and when he gets to the cup he's going to finish very efficiently in an athletic manner we'll say yeah. that but um his ability to stop in the mid-range mm-hmm. and pull up the stop and pull up is really one of the most dangerous parts of his game because he knocks that shot down very very efficiently and I think that is what opens up everything on the offensive end for him, you know. Um, yeah. It's, he's one of the best two-way guards in that class. I mean, he really competes on defensive end. He plays with mm-hmm. uh, a lot of fire and, um, you know, uh, 
an unrelenting motor on the yeah. defense end. So you know he really likes to compete on that end. And I and I that's always impressive to me because I don't see it as much if I'm being yeah. very honest. <laughs> that's sure. more, a lot of top players tend to rest on defense if, mm-hmm. if we can be all the way honest. So um, yeah. you know, seeing a guy that really brings it on the defensive end is um is definitely something that stands out. In sure, my yeah. And that's you. I mean, for Gonzaga, obviously, they have one of, one of the best, I think, yeah. athletically defensive guards currently in college basketball and Hunter Salas. And so certainly yeah. having a, another player, uh, Salas is going to be long gone by the time Phillips would come to Spokane. Yeah. But that kind of player is, is always valuable to have just in general. Uh, looking at his list, uh, a lot of West Coast teams. Obviously, we talked UCLA, Gonzaga. We also got Oregon on the list and then Texas Tech, Kansas, Louisville. Uh, again, he said he grew up a UCLA fan. Do you think that they're kind of the front runner here? Or is this one of those things where? Uh, it's kind of anybody's guess is it's still so far out. I think it's far out. Um, I think when you have a dream school and, mm-hmm. you know, you grew up in L.A., I think do they probably have a little bit of an edge? Sure. You yeah. know, I, but I did a story early, uh, about a month ago about why dream offers don't, you know, they don't often materialize, sure. you know. Um, so, and you know, it's about the fit and, and the opportunity. So, right. you know, he's not going to pass that up just to, where where uh ucla across his chest like mm-hmm. at least kids mature and so they're they're able to put it into perspective but yeah is it cool to have your dream school sure. rolling up a triple red carpet 100 absolutely jason thank you so much for coming on i really got excited we got a chance to talk about these two guys uh yeah. we'll see if we end up talking about wesley yates again and again and again uh, yeah. but hopefully uh, as we get a little bit closer uh, and kind of see what these guys decisions makes uh, i'm excited to have a chance to have you on again to kind of talk about some more of the recruiting updates as they come through. For sure, man. Always happy to be here. All right. That is going to do it for me today. Thanks again to Jason Jordan for coming on the show to give us some recruiting updates. Don't forget to check out my written content at scorezagscore.com and look out for another very fun guest who is planning to join the podcast later this week, right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube as well. Finally, I want to thank you all again who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Locked On WCC doesn't exist yet, but you can get more informed on the West Coast happenings by making Locked On Pac-12 your second listen of the day. Host Spencer McLaughlin and my local experts of Locked On take you across the Pac-12 in 30 minutes, five times per week. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.